0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who was reporting on the barbecue scene before I even knew what barbecue was. Hey family, hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. I'm super excited because in today's episode, we've got a gentleman who is so experienced in the barbecue scene, we're going to learn so much from him. It's Kel Phelps from the National Barbecue News Magazine, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But first of all, I've got some announcements that I need to run by you first. The first is that I'd like to welcome our podcast partner, Jagged Wood for this episode. If you're in the market for a new smoker, a new cabinet smoker, some custom work, an asado grill, make sure you check them out, jaggedwoodfired.com.au. Jules and Glenn are fantastic people and they're close friends of the family here as well. So it's great to have them to be a part of the Smoking Hot Confessions family. If you are at the opposite end of your journey, if you are just starting with barbecue, over on the smokinghotconfessions.com website, we have the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. That's a free ebook that we have available for you, and it's everything you need to know to go from zero to hero out on your grill. So there's going to be no more burnt sausages, no more burnt steaks, no more crunchy black burnt onions. You're going to have some delicious low and slow smoked meals and you're going to be the absolute favourite grill master of your neighbourhood. So go over, check that out. It's completely free, smokinghotconfessions.com. And a big welcome this evening to all the people that are joining us over in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. That group is one of the nicest corners of the internet. We all just hang out, talk about barbecue, All the other guff is left at the door and it's also where we do the live recordings of these podcast episodes. So what is going to be... Um, available for our guests tonight is they're going to be able to leave comments and questions for Kel and he's going to be able to answer them later on in the show. So if you would like to be a part of the live recordings or you just want to find a nice family-friendly barbecue group to hang out and, shock horror, just talk about barbecue, um, (laughs) that's the group for you, Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community over on Facebook. Now, if you're watching the replay later on, thumbs up, subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're on YouTube. If you're catching it on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares, particularly the shares. If you could give us a share, that'd be super helpful. If you're on IGTV, it's all about those cute little love hearts and the comments and the follows. It's all that really cute stuff. And of course, if you're listening on a podcasting app, give us a five-star rating and review. That is super helpful. In the last thirty days, we've been as high as number six on the U.S. food charts for uh, U.S. podcast charts for food, not the other way around, and as high as number three on the Australian podcast charts for food. And that all comes down to those ratings and reviews. So they're super helpful, and we just want to say thank you very much for all of them. Now, coming up in tonight's episode, as I said, it's Kel Phelps from National Barbecue News Magazine. It's been around for 31 years now, which means it predates even the NBBQA. So, Kel has literally seen it all. He's seen the comp scene start, he's seen how it's evolved, and I've got a pretty good idea he's going to know where it's going. So, I think that's about all you need to hear out of me. Let's get Kel in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How
1: long's it been since your last confession? Kel, my friend, welcome to the confessional. Hey Ben, man, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be here, brother.
0: Yeah, me too, man. It, it, it's been a long time since I last saw you. I think it was two years ago at the MBBQA conference.
1: Sounds about right, man. Long overdue for sure.
0: Yeah. Now I just gotta ask first thing, I know you're in southeast Georgia. I know there's a hurricane coming. Have you got the uh what's the expression? The the hatches battened down?
1: <laughs> yeah, man, we've got uh gas for the generators and all that. This thing is actually calmed down to a tropical storm, so we're not uh we're not expecting any real, real bad weather coming up here in the next few days, but yeah. Slated to come right over uh, Wednesday night, Thursday, and um, looks like I'll hook the trailer up and uh, I'll be following that storm right up to North Carolina this weekend, so I'm excited about that too. Is that
0: because you're a storm chaser by day or are you on on your way to cover a competition?
1: (laughs) Actually going to a state contest um, and doing some work with Ace Hardware there. Um, Ace Hardware Store is actually hosting a state Cookoff association event this weekend. And uh, so we'll be there in Goldsboro, North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh this weekend. So.
0: Mate, sounds great. Could be very, very wet. Um, I, I can just imagine that, uh, that, that uh, scene with the flying cow out of Twister and you just sort of turn around with your brisket knife and cut a chunk off as it, as it flies past and it'll land on the grill and you can hand that in.
1: Nah, no, definitely uh definitely no storm chaser here man if it gets like that um I'm the one that's gonna be under the truck holding on you know scared
0: yeah yeah does it does it reach the point where you need like storm shelters dug in under the house and stuff like that or are you in, in a bit more of a safer region than that
1: yeah no we uh I'm about an hour and a half off the coast so yeah we're we're definitely not um not into any kind of bunker situation or whatever now you know I mean it's gotten pretty rough. don't get me wrong here in the past, you know those things a lot of times the only time we get affected is if you've tracked this storm or whatever, it comes up the west side of Florida and then it cuts across and then it goes back on the east side of the United States coast, so when it hits that little little bit of uh, land in the, in the Southern it's North Florida, South Georgia. Um, It'll catch us every once in a while, you know, but that's about the only time we ever see any major effects, but we're far enough off, even if it's a, a major hurricane. I mean, you know, we'll lose some trees and and stuff like that. And, you know, if we're on the East side of it, a lot of times we'll get tornadoes off of it. Now that's kind of scary, but, um, other than that, we're, we're, it's, it's, the hurricane deal is not going to kill us too bad. It's not going to hurt us too bad. So,
0: so uh, all right, let's, uh, let's talk some barbecue, man. Tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued?
1: Oh, man, absolutely. So, we just uh, finishing up July 4th, and, um, man, had some awesome ribs for July 4th. So, absolutely.
0: Of course. How could I forget that? I'm sorry. First of all, happy 4th of July. And then tell me about the ribs.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the ribs, man, real simple. Um, to be honest with you, we overcook them the way we like to eat them. fall um, you know, off we the bone. Where the bones are ready to come out. Um, and then, a matter of fact, uh, July 5th, we celebrate again with leftovers. And um, so then we have McRib. Uh, it's almost like a McRib sandwich. The bones have already pulled out, so then you just put it on a sandwich and- chow down, so absolutely.
0: Now, it it's funny that you mention the McRib because I've, I think I've only ever seen it on The Simpsons. I've never actually seen it here in Australia. Is it oh, is it guys. actually – no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it actually ribs that they've, looked like, cooked, cooked a lot and then slid the bones out, or is it some other compressed meat that's just made to look like a rack of ribs?
1: Yeah, so this will, this will really blow your mind right here. This will tell you how old we really are, okay? So <laughs> – Um, back in the middle eighties, um, I believe it was, we were just getting going, um, in the barbecue world. My dad and, uh, his fishing buddy, um, met this fella in North Carolina. His name was Jim Tapp. Um, you may recognize that name. Um, Miss Leanne, um, is... Daughter to Jim Tabb but anyway, Jim Tabb was a judge with KCBS. I think his KCBS number was like four or six or whatever. Him and Carolyn Wells. Oh,
0: wow. I mean,
1: what he dated way back, but early on, he got an invite to uh, Duke University, and uh, they're in North Carolina, and they students studying or whatever had developed a. Um, Pork type patty um, that was shaped like a like a rack of ribs, and um, he called and uh, after seeing it, he's like, "Man, he said, this is this is pretty cool." So he called us. He said, "Hey, man, you guys want to come check this out? Said, this this may be something." So the magazine started in 1990, and this would have been one of the first years. After we got – that would be one of the first stories we released. Um, We went up and saw this thing, and we were like, oh, my gosh. But what few people realize is Tyson Foods actually bought the right and the patent that the university had on this thing. And you could buy it at Sam's Club and uh, a couple of the other wholesale clubs early on. Oh, right. Um, but when McDonald's actually found it, they were like, Hey, no, 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 no. We're not going to sell it anymore. We're going to bring it in. And, um, but actually, honestly, the McRib is, uh, pork. It's just compressed pork, not necessarily rib meat, um, but just compressed pork and it's formed into the shape of a, a boneless rib. It actually has the little ridges in it. And, um, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> some people over here. I mean, they people go crazy over it. It Really, is it's, it's a uh, it's a different deal, but it's basically a processed pork sandwich is what it boils down to.
0: Well, mate, I'm I'm very happy to hear you confirm that it is actually made from pork because when you first described it just then as a pork type patty, I actually wrote that down to circle back to because I got very very nervous when you
1: said pork now, type patty. Let me, let me... <laughs> let me rephrase this back then when we saw it and what we reported on it was a pork uh processed pork then now i have no idea what it may be but um but that's what it started out as it how about that
0: fair enough fair enough it's like when you bite into a chicken mcnugget and you pull it back and you look at it and you're like "Eh, it's the color of chicken (laughs) um I don't, I don't really recognize or see any, you know, any grains of muscle or anything. And now, it's it's best just not to think about it. You just eat it and get in your truck and keep going.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Oh, so mate, tell me, how did you get into barbecue?
1: Oh man, so my dad and uh, his fishing buddy, um, our families together, we grew up, and uh, so I was. 10, 11 years old, um, when they first started uh, competing, and I uh, did a local event here, um, and I don't know if uh, you guys, there's a big, there's an event called the Big Pig Jig, and um, so it's uh, it's been going on close to 40 years now. Um, it's between, so where I live at and where Myron Mixon lives at is we're only about an hour and a half away. So, right famous. there in the middle is Viana, Georgia, and it's the home of the big pig jig um but I love that early name. On, yeah, right <laughs> oh, listen, man, you gotta get down here to see this thing I mean it is a uh it's a true Memphis in may um type event, but they actually have structures that are built and uh people, they built these structures for a one time a year, one weekend a year competition. And I mean, they're like two, three stories high. Um, next time I go by there, I'll send you some pictures of, it's called barbecue USA. Um, but the, that's where the, kind of got started for us. They hosted a local event in our town and um, my dad and his name was Donald Gillis. He's a, he was a dentist, but my dad and doc, we call him doc. He was, he was always cooking, man. And our families together got together. and We eat like Kings when I was a kid. Um, so that's kind of got me started into it. But when they really got the competition bug um, from the local event, they won that thing which got them an invite to the big pig jig which was a big deal down here and um i think they got like a fifth or sixth place call man it was just like catching one of those fish they go after man they were hooked they were hooked hard so um so after that that's that's basically where we got started barbecuing and um man i was the little kid that was cutting firewood, toting it back in two, and, to, and uh, late at night I would go around and check all the beer cans and the liquor bottles, you know, make sure they were good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we got started at, no doubt.
0: Yeah, right, okay. And so with your father being so involved in, in fishing and that sort of stuff, did you guys eat a lot of grilled fish, like barbecued fish?
1: some but man I'll be honest once we really got going um now time frame we started they started competing uh, in the middle 80s and wow. we started the magazine and barbecue news in 1990 so there's only about a 5 year period four year period where we were cooking that we weren't really just head over heels in it um but at that time once we got started um with the magazine we grilled everything i mean it was and it's still today i mean we 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 fire up the grill probably five six seven times a week i mean sometimes we'll grow sometimes we'll grill for uh supper um but it's just a um it's just a lifestyle for us but yeah fish man vegetables Nothing's off limits for us. We'll, we'll try anything one time. <laughs> and if it's good, uh, we'll try it two, three, four times, maybe make it a staple. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So you, you obviously then got involved in, in competing when your father got, uh, got into it, and you're still competing now. You're going to the SCA comp up in, um, up in Raleigh. So you, uh, what's your favorite type of competition? Do you prefer low and slow, or do you prefer the hot and fast SCA type stuff?
1: Man, I gotta tell you, um, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I love the the long, you know, the three four week, you know, three or four days of a uh, barbecue contest. Um, you know, I don't miss the week before trying to get everything together and you know get ready to go. And then the week after when you got to get everything cleaned back up and put back up, because I'll tell you, there is nothing worse than coming home from a barbecue competition and being dead tired and realizing you left some of the best pork you've ever cooked in a cooler that you didn't actually, you forgot about. And the ice melted and it's gone. So, you know, you got to, that's the worst to me. Um. But I love it all, man. I don't know that I could actually pick one that I like the best. Um, but I do love the SCA guys where you you sh- you know, you throw the grill in the back of the truck, you show up at the parking lot, pitch a tent, a couple of hours, you hang out with everybody, um, and then you get back home that evening and uh, you're ready to, you know, it's not a big deal. So I, I really love that. Really love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is that, um, is that sort of trending at the moment? Like, are you seeing, uh, 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 are there many people sort of converting from the low and slow competitions to the hot and fast or is the hot and fast adding to the scene?
1: I think it's adding to the scene, but I think what we have here happening here is, um, you've got a lot of communities that, um, They lost their barbecue competitions um, and they turned to an SCA event um, because it's less expensive and it includes more people. Um, You know, everybody can cook a steak um, or they think they can cook a steak. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that aspect has been a huge calling card to some of the, uh, smaller communities, um, that used to do, uh, a 20, 30 event, uh, 30 team event. Um, and then they just lost it because well number one, let's be, let's just be straight honest about this thing. It costs a lot of money to go and do a weekend barbecue contest with four meats I mean, I saw yesterday um, two or three different pictures of briskets that were $100 a piece. Um, oh, that's cheap. Um, well, for us, that's about, <laughs> that's almost 25% price increase over the last 40 days, 50 days. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, when you, and I'm just saying this is a regular grocery store. Now, this is not your Wagyu. Competition brisket or whatever, but this is just a normal eating something you'd find in the grocery store. But the meat costs here in the in the states in the last little bit have really, really uh gone up. So in some cases, forty fifty percent. So it on. takes a lot of money to go and do a barbecue contest, whereas the steak deal, you know, it's it said You got your little hundred fifty dollars fee, but that includes your meat. So. Um, you know, money wise, it it definitely a lot cheaper to go and do the the steak deal versus the barbecue thing for sure. And Yeah, um, well the the steak's
0: included in the entry fee, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's actually getting to where the barbecue side is is even more and more expensive now with the, the meat price going up. So Tell me about that.
0: Why has it gone up so much in such a short period of time?
1: You know, that's a good question, man. But I will tell you this. Um here in the States and, and I, I'm I'm guessing it's maybe the same thing over there where you guys are at, but here we're having a hard, hard time with uh employees finding people to work at the different stores, um, and do different jobs that we need done. Um, even I saw some stuff with truck drivers, um, I just got back in a couple of weeks ago from uh, South Dakota and um you would see these advertisements on the back of trucks they're paying like $2500 a week for somebody just to drive a truck for wow. 6 days a week 5 days a week and um just simply because of um some of the different situations with unemployment here um the government is Basically, in an effort to try to help people out, they paid them unemployment or whatever when they had lost their job due to, and a lot of guys are still getting that check um, to stay at home instead of going back to work, and it's really taking a uh, um, it's really taking a toll on the workforce here, and I think that's a big part of it. I man, you know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but I do know there's a lot of stuff that we don't know that's going on. Um, and that's probably a good thing. Um because I would be the one that would I would take the axe out and I'd go up there and be ready to wear somebody out, boy. Don't just do it right. Don't, you know, don't be cutting corners and hurting people or whatever, but um no, I don't know that that's the actual cause of why the inflation's happening, um, but it's happening across the board everywhere. I mean, everything is is um, going up. I know my my daughter started working this summer at Lowe's, which is a home improvement store over here, and they're paying her like fourteen dollars an hour to start, and minimum wage is like seven fifty an hour, so that's almost twice. Wow. Um, but because they can't get people to work, they're having to pay those wages. So,
0: If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfire has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who've even traveled to the U.S. to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfire.com.au, spelled J A G R D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfire.com.au, spelled J A G R D to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on. Ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so let's dive into uh, the National Barbecue News Magazine. Now, you did mention before it started in 1990, so 31 years ago. You must be just about ready to have a 31st birthday if you haven't done it already yet. And um, you've, so we, we know when it started. Can you tell us a bit about about why you decided to start a barbecue magazine?
1: Yeah, man. So, Barbecue News actually started as a newsletter uh, before the internet and all that was going. Uh, Barbecue News got started as a way to let these competition guys know where the different events were happening across the country. Um, Very first issue, I think we printed about 350, maybe 400 copies. Um, Long story short, my mom and dad were in the newspaper business here locally and um as they actually got going and um to the different barbecue contests people were like hey man you do this already put out a newsletter so we know what's going on and where it's, where these things are happening so we will know and um so that's how it it, it all got started in uh, 350 copies back in 1990. absolutely wow. just as a uh, and today, believe it or not, um, 31 years later, our number one most viewed page on, the, on our website is the calendar of events page where we list, we list them from all over the world. So, um, but that page is looked at more than, um, than any other page on our website for sure.
0: Right. So you, you collate dates from all the different um, competition bodies.
1: Yes, absolutely, and even non-sanctioned events. You know, if we we have towns that year after year just to have a, um, you know, a yearly local barbecue contest. We even have some churches, and uh, they let us share their non uh, their non-sanctioned event on our calendar. So we're if you know of some events, man, email us. We're happy to put them up there. Indeed.
0: I will, mate, for sure. We've got um, we got quite a few events starting to pop up here in Australia again now with the ABA and uh, some KCBS and SCA is doing really here as well. Uh, is doing really well here as well, and uh, yeah. just across the pond we've got uh, the NZ Barbecue Alliance as well over in New Zealand who are doing a lot of interesting things. So I'll have right. a bit of a chat to you off air when we're done here, and we'll um line up some of that info for you.
1: Fantastic, brother.
0: Yeah, cool stuff, man. So it's uh, it 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 came from a family business and you started with the newsletter and I, I gather then that you probably folded and sealed in the envelopes and stamped every single one yourself. Um, when did it sort of grow into a fully fledged magazine?
1: So when I bought the paper here again, you know, a little more backstory. Um, and, 1999 my mom and dad um sold their print and local operation to a um it was called thompson newspapers back in the day and you may i mean they were worldwide they were the largest newspaper chain in the world at that time i think even um in your neck of the woods they over in sydney and a couple other, they own several big publications there as well so um but they owned a regional group of newspapers here and they bought our little shopping guide and our newspaper and our print press but um at that time I was middle 20s early you know middle 20s going into 30 and I was a manager of that shop so I was part of that deal. I had to stay on, I had to sign a contract for like five years to stay on with those guys. Wow. And, um, so when we did that, um, that was the hardest part of my entire life, man. I became, I went from a mom and pop, uh, local owned business to this huge corporation that was just, you basically became a number. And if you were a manager, it didn't matter if you worked a hundred hours you know, you you just get it done, get it done, get it done. Right. It didn't matter if you had people not show up. It didn't matter. You were the, you were the supervisor. So it's all on your neck. So (laughs) that got old really quick, but I already had signed the contract. So um, I finished up my five years, but um, I was looking right at the, before those five years ended and once mom and dad had sold, um, their local operations—they kept the barbecue news, and that's what they turned their focus to. Um, oh, they became judges, and man, they would hit. Sometimes they would hit forty events in a year. Wow! And you know, they always had a big stack of magazines with them, and they grew it like it's almost like a grassroots uh, type thing. You know, place by place by place. So, um, that that was a huge growth spurt, and um, so right after that, I was looking for something to do, and uh, I never forget, I was talking to dad and doc, I was like, man, I've got to do something, and, um, but I've done this my whole life, I don't really want to move from my hometown, Um, and so they were like, you know, we've talked about kind of Stepping back from the barbecue news a little bit, maybe even uh, unloading it too. And I said, Well, I said, Man, I, I said, I love it. I love that lifestyle. I love the barbecue stuff and all that. I said, And I had been on the bottom end of it. I mean, I printed it and laid it out. And like you say, put the labels on each individual one, cut, folded stuff that whatever needed to be done since it started. So, um, I went to the bank and uh, I said, listen, you know, I've got the opportunity to go to work for myself and here's what I need to borrow. And, you know, no hard feelings if not, but, and sure enough, man, they, they cut me the loan and said, yeah, we'll do it. So as long as I didn't have to borrow money from mom and dad or doc Gillis to make it happen, I told them I would do it. And um, so in 2002, I actually bought uh barbecue news magazine and um, started from there. But the biggest growth thing was when that we, we just turned uh, went from a tabloid type deal um, three years ago, I believe um, maybe even, yeah, about three years ago now, but that was a huge turning point when we went to a slick stock um which is what we are now. I mean, this is, you know, this is a full-fledged magazine now. You guys see the digital side of it a bunch, but now it's a true magazine. used to, it was a tabloid. It was run on a newsprint kind of thing, um, oversized a little bit. But those two changes, making it a true magazine size, and then when mom and dad sold their deal and started pushing it, those were the two biggest growth spurts that we've seen. Um, in, the, in that history for sure.
0: I had no idea that it was so family-based. That's awesome given that it's related to barbecue and barbecue is all about family. I'd, I love how those two things really come together for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely.
0: So over, over 30 years, I'd, I'd imagine that you've seen some, some highs and some lows and everything in between. What are some of the challenges that, that have faced you running a, a barbecue newsprint uh, outfit?
1: Oh man. Um I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um it's it's been recent the last um 5 to 7 years um it's been tough. Newsprint has made a huge decline and you know now you see a lot of digital content that is out. Um and man, I am old school. Like I said, you know, I'm a fire up the press you know, ink paper kind of guy and learning all this digital stuff has really, really been a chore for me. I, I'm, um, I'll be honest with you, man. And when I started college, um, I only went for like two semesters and I learned, I was like, Oh, this is way over my head. I just, I learned differently. Um, you know, if you, you can take a, a, an engine apart and if I'm there watching how you take it apart, I can put it back together. I guarantee you. No, you know, if I see it, I got it. Um, Or if I put my hands on it, you know, I'll figure it out. But to read information in a book, um, I am, I I just do not learn that way. So um, it is a, um, it was a different process for me. So college was kind of out. But putting my hands on something, you know, and actually doing it, is that's the way I learned. Um, This digital side of things, a whole lot of YouTubing, man. Um, uh, A whole lot of YouTube. Hats off to those guys who teach you how to do stuff. I think that's, you know, and, and once Malcolm got started with how to barbecue right, I learned that I wasn't in that boat by myself. There's a lot of other people who don't just read a recipe, they actually see it done. And uh, so, man, I was like, I'm glad to know I'm not in the boat alone, you know. But the biggest challenge in a bus has, without a doubt, been from the print side to the digital side. And now we have the little flipping book where you can actually go through, um, you know, and it really makes it come alive. way even much more than the print does but um it's just learning something every day man and trying to stay up with the social media thing i mean that's been a huge growth force able to share what we do to different people but man that takes a lot of time and um (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a lot different it's a lot different but staying up on the different platforms is It's a never-ending task. It never changes. It's always ever-changing. So when you think you get the hold of something, flip a page because it's it's something new, different. You tell learn for sure.
0: Yeah, and there's always the next thing coming too. So there's always uh, keeping that keeping that attitude of continuous learning of uh, of of lifelong learning is uh, is is key. I think.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah. So my dad taught me two two super important things about the barbecue business. Number one, when I, t- when I went to buy it, he's like, man, he said, listen, Carol, he said, I don't think you're going to get rich doing this. He said, but I will tell you this. If you go away hungry, it'd be your own fault. <laughs> so, Cause we can always find a rib bone to gnaw on, right. Or a, a steak bone or something to gnaw on to feed us. Um, but, and then the second thing, you know, was, a life lesson that that has been so true uh when you stop learning man you might as well throw the white flag in and quit because when you quit learning um you're gonna things are gonna change and they're not gonna change in a good way for sure
0: Mm, yeah definitely I um my my father was always an early adopter of uh of, of new technology and things like that And I remember in the early 90s when I took my first computer class at school, my dad decided, right, you kids need to learn how to use a computer. This is going to be important for you. And in 1992, he spent $3,000 on a computer that now, like kids have smart sneakers that talk to them when they do a tap dance routine that have more power than this computer had. And he spent, you know, an an entire quarter's worth of his salary on uh, on this machine. Um but uh just I I just wanted to get back to what you're talking about and about the digitization because that was one of the things that I wanted to ask. So sort of transitioning from from print to to digital which you know you you, you keep hearing in the in the media and that you know print is dead print is dead. So I I wanted to ask have you found that by digitizing it you've expanded the audience or have you seen a conversion? Like has there been a drop-off in the print audience or have you just added to it with the digital audience?
1: So without a doubt, man, there's been a huge drop-off in the print audience. Um, But I think, you know, the trade-off by finding the new digital audience has been twice, three times the growth amount. Oh wow! Um, And you know, and I'll tell you this, man, and I'm sure you probably seen the same thing too. It's the numbers when the this thing started. If somebody had told me that we would almost double, sometimes we have actually run some specials where we previewed it out. We would triple our readership um, from people learning to cook. Um, You know, and I know. the barbecue industry as a whole with sauces and rubs, charcoal, um, you know, man, people, when they had to stay home for a little bit, when they shut our country down, a lot of people went to cooking at home and they learned how to cook from the different videos, how to or, or whatever. But that the barbecue industry expanded, uh, ex- just blew up. And to this day there's companies still struggling to keep up with the stock keep stock on the shelves. Wow. You know, rubs, sauces, stuff like that. I mean, and it, it, even the supply chain, even I know some guys that um you know, are co-packers and stuff like that of other sauces, they're having trouble with the little, you know, rub caps and the the sauce bottles and and finding all those um stuff that was normally there but because of the uh added a uh, volume that they're doing now they're having trouble finding some of this stuff even still now um but if you'd have told me that early on that we would have expanded like that before uh when all this was going on man i would have sent you to the hospital have your fever checked <laughs> said, there's no way we're gonna shut down and now we're gonna grow um so to answer that question yeah, we have the print side has definitely gone down um, in readership and support, but the digital side is 10 times what the print side ever was because mm. of, was, you know, the social side of things. I mean, yep. I think, you know, like Facebook, we were like 12,000 Twitter, we're another fourteen twelve thousand 12,000 over there. Instagram, we're just getting started there. So we're, Ten, twelve thousand 12,000 back down there, but you can share. And I know some of those will cross over that are the same people, but, um, man, you can reach a lot of people in an instant. And if we were old school trying to get around the different competitions and to meet that many people, we'd be on the road a bunch. Um, so, you know, those trade-offs have definitely happened. Um, and it's been good for us. Um, but now I will say this the print side of things. Um, I think you're going to see it come back to a certain degree because of the overabundance of information that is being put out. People are finding it hard to trust what they see, um, mm. you know, like. So, we, we've started on TikTok, and we've, we've watched some of this stuff on TikTok, and now we've started posting a little bit, but, man, there is so much bad information <laughs> that is out there. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I'm, I'll be honest, it's hard for me. I will never, ever call anybody out. I'm like, you know, man, if it works for you, do it, you know, but I'm just telling you, for me, that would never work. You know, I, I'm happy to tell somebody that, but I would never just go get in somebody's face and say, "Hey, that's not going to work. Don't do that." No, 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 no. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm always with our magazine. We want to stay on the positive. You know, hooray, go, go, go. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, if it's something that is different than that. Um, if individuals ask us, we'll tell you what we know and think, but I'm never going to call anybody out. But there is so much that I'm going to call bad information out until I think that's going to drive the print industry back because when you've got somebody who's been around for 30-something years, that's going to be a trustworthy deal that people are going to go and look and say, well, these guys have been around that long. Let me, let me try their stuff. And then once they try and they realize that it, it works, um you know then you've got you've got a a reader or somebody that'll trust you for for the rest of their life
0: you're listening to the internationally awarded smoking hot confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd
1: ben arnott
0: All righty, Kel. So we're in the third segment of our show now, and this is the part of our show where our guest gets to share some wisdom with our viewers and our listeners. And what you said you wanted to talk about today was your, I think it was your five top tips for better barbecue. Did I get that right?
1: Absolutely, man. Um, I come up with this um, right after um, I said we just got done with 4th of July. And um, so – I had a couple people who hit me up on message, whatever, was like, ah, man, I burnt hamburgers, and I screwed up so bad. Help me. How do I not do this? So I said, you know what, man? Let's just make a top five real simple list that most people who barbecue and grill any at all have been through these growing pains. So we just made a little quick list and said, "Hey, man, let's throw this out there." And if uh, if you're just getting started or you're struggling, man, these are proven techniques that will make it better, hands down. The first one is, you know, learning the two um, two zone method of cooking. So it's not all about being hot and fast. Um, even no matter what kind of grill you're on. You know, the gas grills are super convenient, um, but you can actually indirect um, or two zone cook on a gas grill. Just turn a couple of burners off on one side, turn the burners on the other side, but cook, put your food away from where that direct flame is. You'll never burn food again. You know, um, some people that, you know, everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, man, how simple is that? But you'd be amazed how much product got burned up by people who <laughs> didn't really realize they could do that. Um But for us, you know, my favorite thing to cook on hands down when we talk about going back is the Weber kettle grill. You know, that's the where I learned to manage fire with an intake vent and exhaust um for a chimney where you do, you dictate how hot you're cooking by setting that grill up to grill where you want to go at. Um, The drum smokers. I think you and Mark talked about this. Um, Man, I love cooking on the drum smokers. Um, I absolutely love it because it it is the old school way of learning fire management but you're able to do it and add the smoke flavors um, in a way that cannot be duplicated in other cookers. Um, But the biggest thing is, is the, you know, that number one deal for us is learn how to cook in an indirect manner, not directly over the heat. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, when you got a 28 ounce big tomahawk flame shooting out, you know, And that bad boy on the grill, you know, that looks all cool. But there's only about two or three cuts of meat that you can actually do that with. Um, You know, when dad's got burgers on the grill, you don't want to see flames shooting out 10 feet.
0: (laughs) No, you do not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That may not be the right thing. So, um, you know, the indirect method, that's it. The second thing is, you know, fat equals flavor. It also adds juiciness to the meat. Um, you know, you can go and cook, uh, a real lean pork loin. Um, you know, you just have to be super careful not to overcook it. Um, the more fat, when you got more fat in your meat, whatever you're cooking, um, it adds a little bit of, uh, room for error. Um, you know, you can... You can take dark meat chicken, for instance, versus a chicken breast. If you cook a chicken breast to about 180 degrees on the inside, it's going to be dry. You know, it's just, it's just, I mean, you can juice it up, inject it, marinate it, whatever. But when it overcooks, it's overcooked. It's going to be dry. So when you cook dark meat chicken, it's got more fat content to it. So you can uh, you can actually overcook it a little bit more, um, and it's still going to have a little more juicy to it. Um, you know, it, the, it'll have more moisture in the meat when you get done um, just because of the added fat content. So that's, you know, it all starts with, um, you know, good grilling starts with what meat you select. So that's the, the second thing. You know, start with something good. But know that fat is flavor, and it's also going to add more moisture when you get done. Uh, number three is season everything, um, whether you're grilling um, veggie, veggies or whatever. You'd be amazed at how many people um, would say, "You know, man, I, I tried to the grill these steaks, but they just—they don't taste like what what's in a restaurant." You know why? Well, tell me how you did it. Well, I just took steak out of the pack, threw it on the grill. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I don't care what kind of grill you got um, or what kind of method you're using cooking. Nothing will replace seasoning. Um, And I think I put it down there in in our little thing. You know, salt alone can turn ordinary into good salt and pepper have combined in the restaurant industry to make people millions of dollars. (laughs) But when you add salt, pepper, and garlic together in a mix, I mean, that's called the trinity of all seasonings. And it will, you know, it really will. It'll make a whole big difference in anything you cook. I don't care if it's vegetables. I don't care if it's, you know, meat, proteins, or whatever. You put salt, pepper, garlic on it, it will be different by a hundred times versus just taking it right out of the pack, doing it on a grill. Um so that was that was the third thing. Um you know probably the biggest safety point is make sure and have some type of uh internal thermometer so you know what you're done. What the first rule when you get to if you ever went to a culinary school is, you know, done this is measured by temperature and it's on the internal temperature hands down i don't care if you're baking a potato i don't care if you're cooking a steak you know ribs whatever if you don't know what that internal temperature is when it's done you don't you don't know what you don't know if it's done or not um so make sure and you know google it if you're not real sure what you know Your chicken breast needs to be at Google it, man. You're gonna get four or five different answers, but you're gonna be in the ballpark regardless. Um, But that's probably the biggest safety thing we tip we got. But um, you know, if you're tired of overcooking meat, that's a way to absolutely make sure you don't overcook it. Um, And then the last thing is, you know, you can add smoke flavor to any. any protein or any uh, veggie, whatever you're doing, and you can do that on any grill that is made. You know, people say, well, I, I like the gas grill um for the convenience, but how do I – I can't smoke on it. Uh, yeah, it's real simple, man. Just make your little foil pack. um, Poke a hole in the top of it, throw it right on the burner, man. And, you know, trial and error, you know, um, sometimes it may be a little – too much smoky so maybe you know turn the burner down a little bit put a few less pellets or wood chips or whatever in there um you know that's one of the advantages about using grill grates um man i love those things you can take those things and put those pellets um right in the valley and it starts smoking um the food right there Um, i never even thought of that yeah absolutely man um I've actually seen, um, you know, with the drippings and the smoke going, it really does. It might, I mean, it creates a whole different flavor. But on a gas grill, um, man, it's it's hard to beat that, um, that kind of uh, flavor. But, yeah, absolutely. You can smoke on any, any type of uh, outdoor grill uh, that's made. That's the way that we do it on a gas grill, of course, with charcoal. Um, you know, you can soak up wood chips, throw them in. Uh, for us, we like to use the chunks on a charcoal grill and uh, just spread them around. And then, of course, with pellet cookers, you're already cooking with wood. Just turn the temperature down a little bit. It's going to make it smoke a little bit more. So.
0: Beautiful. So is that the fifth one then? Control the smoke.
1: That's it, man. You can add smoke. if uh, No matter what you're cooking on, you can add smoke to it. So uh, don't run out and think you got to go spend $5,000 on a new grill. However, Not if that you that would like to and support
0: idea. the industry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: And then write a review of it and send it to you to be published in the magazine.
1: Absolutely. Now you're talking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, that's, uh, that's probably a good point for us to start wrapping up this episode. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout outs to people that have helped you along the way. And make, sure they tell every- and make sure you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet.
1: Man, I got to tell you, um, without a doubt, man, you know, God works in mysterious ways, man. And that's over 31 years. We have seen a lot of mysterious things happen. Um, You know, he gets all the praise for whatever we do and how we do it because he's making it happen and allows us to go and do the journey that we're doing. But, um, man, if you want to learn more, if you want to see a sneak peek. As a matter of fact, we just took it off. Um, the new July issue. We took all the, the, uh, membership stuff off. So go to com. Um, check out the new issue. We've got the, uh, got one of our friends, Danny Montgomery. This is his, uh, his grandchild right there eating a rib, having fun. And, um, so that's what barbecue is all about. But, um, but, yeah, so you go, a free issue there to check it out and uh, see what we're about. You can see the flipping book that we talk about, um, but it's barbecuenews.com. But, yeah, the family aspect of the barbecue and grilling community is, uh, is without a doubt the reason why we still exist. And we appreciate their support and could not, absolutely could not do it without those guys for sure.
0: Well said mate well said look thank you thank you very much for your time it's uh it's uh, morning time for you so you, so you got to go out and uh, start uh, start printing those magazines up so i appreciate you taking time out of your day to hang out here and talk barbecue with me so thank you very much
1: Ben, anytime brother i'm uh i'm ready to keep it smoking with you anytime man but i uh, man appreciate all you do and uh man i like i said before i love uh love your shows and man i i learn a lot from hearing different guys, uh, do your little, uh, confessions as you call it. Um, it, it teaches me a bunch, man. So I appreciate all the effort you go through and, uh, man, keep smoking for sure, brother. If I can help you anyway, you let me know. And there you have it
0: family. That was Kel Phelps from the national barbecue news magazine. How interesting was that? So he's, he's preparing for a bit of a, not quite hurricane at the moment. And then he's jumping in his truck and chasing the thing up the coast to get to a competition. That is commitment. And what a wealth of history there. 31 years covering the barbecue industry. He's We didn't even start to touch on all the different trends in the barbecue scene itself that he's seen come and go. Um, so we might have to get him back on the show in another couple of weeks and just sort of pick his brains about how the how the ebb and flow of the barbecue industry has been over the last 30 years. I mean, that's – that's incredible to believe because for us here in Australia, the low and slow scenes, six years old, seven years old, and we're talking 31 years of, of, of history there. Um, it's, just, it's just incredible to, to, to think. I really want to pick his brain some more. We've got to get him back in here. So before we wrap this up today, I just want to give you a quick reminder of our, of our announcements from the top of the show. Um, Jagged Woodfired was our podcast partner for today. So if you're looking for a new smoker, for a grill, for a asado, if you've got a custom kitchen build you need done, hit up Gl- uh, Glules and Jen. That's wrong. That's back to front, Jules and Glenn. <laughs> hit them up. They're based out of WA. They ship around the nation. They're beautiful people. They do some fantastic work. Uh, if you're at the start of your journey, the ebook is free. It's available for you over on smokinghotconfessions.com. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, so do check that out. Come join us in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community over on Facebook, and a big shout-out to those people that have joined us tonight for this uh, live podcast recording. And, of course, um, please do the thing on the socials, the likes, the shares, the comments, the thumbs-up, the subscribes, the notification bells. You know it all. You know it all. You You've heard it all before. But uh, yeah, that's it for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.